An Alarm to the Unregenerate From the book Fourfold State by Thomas Boston of Scotland The doctrine of the misery of man's natural state applied. Application 1 of Information Is our state by nature a state of wrath? Then, surely we are not born innocent. These chains of wrath which by nature are upon us speak us to be born criminals. The swaddling bands wherewith infants are bound hand and foot as soon as they are born may put us in mind of the cords of wrath with which they are held prisoners as children of wrath. Number two. What desperate madness is it for sinners to go on in their sinful course? What is it but to heap coals of fire on thine own head? and lay more and more fuel to the fire of wrath, to treasure up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath. Romans 2.5 Thou mayest perish when his wrath is kindled but a little. Psalm 2.12 Why wilt thou increase it yet more? Thou art already bound with such cords of death as will not easily be loosed. What need is there of more? Stand, careless sinner, and consider this. Thou hast no reason to complain as long as thou art out of hell. Wherefore doth the living man complain? Lamentation 3.39 If one who has forfeited his life be banished, his native country, and exposed to many hardships, he may well bear all patiently, seeing his life is spared. Do you murmur for that you are under pain or sickness? Nay, bless God, you are not there where the worm never dieth. Dost thou grudge that thou art not in so good a condition in the world as some of thy neighbors are? Be thankful, rather, that you are not in the case of the damned. Is thy substance gone from thee? Wonder that the fire of God's wrath has not consumed thyself. Kiss the rod, O sinner, and acknowledge mercy, for God punisheth us less than our iniquities deserve. Ezra 9.13 Number 4. Here is a memorandum both for poor and rich. 1. The poorest that go from door to door and have not one penny left them by their parents were born to an inheritance. Their first father Adam left them children of wrath, and continuing in their natural state they cannot miss of it. For this is a portion of a wicked man from God, and the heritage appointed to him by God. Job 20.29 And heritage that will furnish them with an habitation, who have not where to lay their head, and shall be cast into utter darkness. Matthew 25.30 For to them is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Jew 13, where their bed shall be sorrow, they shall lie down in sorrow, Isaiah 50:11. Their food shall be judgment, for God will feed them with judgment, Ezekiel 34:16. And their drink shall be the red wine of God's wrath. The dregs whereof all the wicked of the earth shall ring out and drink them, Isaiah 75:8. I know that those who are destitute of worldly goods, and withal void of the knowledge and grace of God, who therefore may be called the devil's poor, will be apt to say here, We hope that God will make us suffer all our misery in this world, 
and we shall be happy in the next. As if their miserable outward condition in time would secure their happiness in eternity. A gross and fatal mistake. And this is another inheritance they have. Lies, vanity, and things wherein there is no profit. Jeremiah 16:19. But the hail shall sweep away the refuge of lies. Isaiah 28:17. Does thou think, O sinner, that God who commands judges on earth not to respect the person of the poor in judgment, Leviticus 19:15, will pervert judgment for thee? Nay, know for certain that however miserable thou art here, thou shalt be eternally miserable hereafter. If thou livest and diest in thy natural state, woe to him that like Moab hath been at ease from his youth, Jeremiah 48.11, and never saw the black cloud of wrath hanging over his head. There are many who have no changes, therefore they fear not God. Psalm 55.19, they have lived in a good belief, as they call it, all their days. That is, they never had power to believe an ill report of their soul's state. Many have come by their religion too easily, and as it came lightly to them, so it will go from them when their trial comes. Do you think men flee from wrath in a morning dream? Or will they flee from the wrath they never saw pursuing them? Think it not strange, if you see one in great distress about his soul condition, who is wont to be as jovial and as little concerned about salvation as any of his neighbors. Can one get a right view of himself as in a state of wrath, and not to be pierced with sorrows, terrors, and anxiety? When a weight quite above one's strength lies upon him, and he is alone, he can neither stir hand nor foot. But when one comes to lift it off him, he will struggle to get from under it. Thunderclaps of wrath from the word of God conveyed to the soul by the Spirit of the Lord will surely keep a man awake. Lastly, it is no wonder wrath comes upon churches and nations and upon us in this land, and that infants and children yet unborn smart under it. Most of the society are yet children of wrath. Few are flying from it, or taken the way to prevent it. But people of all ranks are helping it on. The Jews rejected Christ, and their children have been smarting under wrath these sixteen hundred years. God grant that the bad entertainment given to Christ in his gospel by this generation be not pursued with wrath on the succeeding one. Used to. Of exhortation. And here, I shall drop a word to those who are yet in an unregenerate state. To those that are brought out of it, number two, number three, to all indifferently. To you that are yet in an unregenerate state, I would sound the alarm and warn you to see yourselves while yet there is hope. O oh, ye children of wrath, take no rest in this dismal state, but flee to Jesus Christ, the only refuge. Haste and make your escape thither. The state of wrath is too hot a climate for you to live in. Micah 2.10 Arise ye and depart, for this is not your rest. O oh, sinner, knowest thou where thou art? Dost thou not see thy danger? 
The curse is entered into thy soul. Wrath is thy covering. The heavens are growing blacker and blacker above thy head. The earth is weary of thee. The pit is opening her mouth for thee. And should the thread of thy life be cut this moment, thou art henceforth past all hopes forever. Sirs, if we saw ye putting a cup of poison to your mouth, we would fly to you and snatch it out of your hands. If we saw the house on fire about you while you were fast asleep in it, we would run to you and drag you out of it. But alas, you are in ten thousand times greater hazard. Yet we can do no more but tell you of your danger, invite, exhort, beseech, and obtest you to look to yourselves and lament your stupidity and obstinacy when we cannot prevail with you to take warning. If there were no hope of your recovery, we should be silent and would not torment you before the time. But though you be lost and undone, there is hope in Israel concerning this thing. Wherefore I cry unto you in the name of the Lord and in the words of the prophet, Zechariah 4.12. Turn ye to the stronghold, ye prisoners of hope. Flee to Jesus Christ out of this your natural state. Motive 1. While you are in this state, you must stand or fall according to the law or covenant of works. If you understood this right, it would strike through your hearts as a thousand darts. One had better be a slave to the Turks, condemned to the galleys, or under Egyptian bondage, than be under the covenant of works now. All mankind were brought under it in Adam, as we heard before, and thou and thy unregenerate state are still where Adam left thee. It is true there is another covenant brought in, but what is that to thee who art not brought into it? Thou must needs be under one of the two covenants, either under the law or under grace. That thou art not under grace, the dominion of sin over thee manifestly evinceth. Therefore thou art under the law. Romans 4.14 Do not think God has laid aside the first covenant. Matthew 5.17 and 18. Galatians 3.10 No. He will magnify the law and make it honorable. It is broken indeed on thy part, but it is absurd to think that therefore your obligation is dissolved. Nay, thou must stand and fall by it, till thou canst produce thy discharge from God himself, who is thy party in that covenant, and this thou canst not pretend to do, seeing thou art not in Christ. Now to give you a view of your misery in this respect, consider these following things, number one. Hereby you are bound over to death, in virtue of the threatening of death in that covenant. Genesis 2.17 The conditions being broken, you fall under the penalty. So it concludes you under wrath. Number two. There is no salvation for you under this covenant, but on a condition impossible to be performed by you. The justice of God must be satisfied for the wrong you have done already. God has written this truth in characters of the blood of his own Son. Yea, and you must perfectly obey the law for the time to come. So saith the law, Galatians 3.12, The man that doth them shall live in them. Come then, O sinner, see if thou canst make a ladder, whereby thou mayest reach the throne of God. 
Stretch forth thine arms, and try if thou canst fly on the wings of the wind. Catch hold of the clouds, and pierce through these visible heavens, and then either climb over, or break through the jasper walls of the city above. These things shalt thou do as soon as thou shalt reach heaven in thy natural state, or under this covenant. Number three. There is no pardon under this covenant. Pardon is a benefit of another covenant. All that believe are justified from all things from which ye could not be justified by the law of Moses. As for thee, thou art in the hand of a merciless creditor, who will take thee by the throat, saying, Pay what thou owest, and cast thee into prison there to remain till thou hast paid the uttermost farthing, unless thou be so wise as to get a sufficient conditioner for yourself in time, who is able to answer for all thy debt, and get up thy discharge. This Jesus Christ alone can do. Thou abidest under this covenant, and pleadest mercy. But what is the plea founded on? There is not one promise of mercy or pardon in that covenant. Dost thou plead mercy for mercy's sake? Justice will step in betwixt it and thee, and plead God's covenant threatening, which he cannot deny. Number four, there is no place for repentance in this covenant, so as a sinner can be helped by it. For as soon as ever thou sinnest, the law lays its curse on thee, which is a dead weight thou canst by no means throw off. No, not though thine head were waters, and thine eyes a fountain of tears, to weep day and night for thy sin. This is what the law cannot do, in that it is weak through the flesh. Romans 8.3 Now thou art another profane Esau that is sold the blessing, and there is no place for repentance, though thou seekest it carefully with tears, while under that covenant. There is no accepting of the will for the deed under this covenant, which was not made for good will, but good works. The mistake in this point ruins many. They are not in Christ, but stand under the first covenant, and yet they will plead this privilege. This is just as if one, having made a feast for those of his own family, when they sit down at table, another manservant that has run away from his master should presumptuously come forward and sit down amongst them. Would not the master of the feast give such a stranger that check? Friend, how camest thou in here? And since he is none of his family, command him to be gone quickly. Though a master accept the good will of his own child for the deed, can a hired servant expect that privilege? You have nothing to do with Christ while under that covenant. By the law of God, a woman cannot be married to two husbands at once. Either death or divorce must dissolve the first marriage, or she can marry another. So we must first be dead to the law, or we can be married to Christ. Romans 7, 4 the law is the first husband. Jesus Christ, who raiseth the dead, marries the widow that was heartbroken and slain by the first husband. But while the soul is in the house with the first husband, it cannot plead a marriage relation to Christ, nor the benefits of a marriage covenant, which is not yet entered into, Galatians 5, 4. Christ has become of no effect to you, whosoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. Peace, pardon, and such like benefits are all benefits of the covenant of grace.
And ye must not think to stand off from Christ in the marriage covenant with him, and yet plead these benefits. More than one man's wife can plead the benefit of a contract of marriage past betwixt another man and his own wife. Lastly, see the bill of exclusion passed in the court of heaven against all under the covenant of works. Galatians 4.30 The son of the bondwoman shall not be heir. Compare verse 24. Heirs of wrath must not be heirs of glory. Whom the first covenant hath power to exclude out of heaven, the second covenant cannot bring into it. Objection. Then it is impossible for us to be saved. Answer. It is so, while you are in that state. But if you would be out of that dreadful condition, hasten out of that state. If a murderer be under sentence of death, so long as he lives within the kingdom, the laws will reach his life. But if he can make his escape and get over the sea into the dominions of another prince, our laws cannot reach him there. This is what we would have you to do. Flee out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear Son. Out of the dominion of the law into the dominion of grace. Then all the curses of the law or covenant of works, shall never be able to reach you. Motive 2 O ye children of wrath, your state is wretched, for you have lost God, and that is an unspeakable loss. You are without God in this world. Ephesians 2.12 Whatever you may call yours, you cannot call God yours. If we look to the earth, Perhaps you can tell us that land, that house, or that herd of cattle is yours. But let us look upward to heaven. Is that God, that grace, that glory yours? Truly you have neither part nor lot in that matter. When Nebuchadnezzar talks of cities and kingdoms, oh, how big does he speak? Great Babylon that I have built, my power, my majesty. But he tells a poor tale when he comes to speak of God, saying, Your God, Daniel 2:47 and 4:30. Alas, sinner, whatever thou hast, God is gone from thee. Oh, the misery of a godless soul! Hast thou lost God? Then number one, the sap and substance of all that thou hast in the world is gone. The godless man have what he will as one that hath not. Matthew twenty five twenty nine. I defy the unregenerate man to attain to soul satisfaction, whatever he possesseth, since God is not his God. All his days he eateth in darkness, in every condition. There is a secret dissatisfaction haunts his heart like a ghost. The soul wants something, though perhaps it knoweth not what it is, and so it will be always till the soul return to God the fountain of satisfaction. Thou canst do nothing to purpose for thyself, for God is gone, his soul is departed from thee. Jeremiah 6, 8 Like a leg out of joint hanging by, whereof a man hath no use, as a word their use doth bear. Losing God, thou hast lost a fountain of good, and so all grace, all goodness, all the saving influences of his spirit. What canst thou do then? What fruit canst thou bring forth more than a branch cut off from the stock? John 15.5 Thou art become unprofitable, Romans 3.12, as a filthy, rotten thing, fit only for the dunghill. 
Number three, death has come into thy windows, yea, and is settled on thy face. For God, in whose favor is life, Psalm 35, is gone from thee. And so the soul of thy soul is departed. What, what a loathsome lump is a body when the soul is gone. Far more loathsome is thy soul in this case. Thou art dead while thou livest. Do not deny it, seeing thy speech is laid, thine eyes closed, and all spiritual motion in thee ceaseth. Thy true friends who see thy case do lament, because thou art gone into the land of silence. Number four. Thou hast not a steady friend among all the creatures of God, for now that thou hast lost a master's favor, all the family is set against thee. Conscience is thine enemy. The word never speaks good of thee. God's people loathe thee, so far as they see what thou art. Psalm 15.22 The beasts and stones of the field are handed together against thee. Job 5.23 Hosea 2.18 Thy meat, drink, clothes, grudge to be serviceable to the wretch that has lost God and abuses them to his dishonor. The earth groaneth under thee, yea, the whole creation groaneth, and travelleth in pain together because of thee, and such as thou art. Romans 8.22 Heaven will have nothing to do with thee. For there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth. Revelations 26.27 Only hell from beneath is moved for thee, to meet thee at thy coming. Isaiah 14.9 Lastly, thy hell is begun already. What makes hell but exclusion from the presence of God? Depart from me, cursed. Now you are gone from God already with the curse upon you. That shall be your punishment at length if you return not, which is now your choice. As a gracious state is the state of glory in the bud, so a graceless state is hell in the bud which if it continue will come to perfection at length. Modi 3. Consider the dreadful instances of the wrath of God, and let them serve to awaken thee to flee out of this state. Consider, how is it fallen on men? Even in this world many have been set up as monuments of divine vengeance that others might fear. Wrath has swept away multitudes so fallen together by the hand of an angry God. Consider how the Lord spared not the old world, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly. 2 Peter 2, 5 and 6 But if it yet be more dreadful to think of that weeping, wailing, and gnashing of teeth, Amongst those who in hell lift up their eyes, but cannot get a drop of water to cool their tongues, believe these things and be warned by them, lest destruction come upon thee for a warning to others. Consider how wrath fell upon the fallen angels, whose case is absolutely hopeless. They were the first that ventured to break the hedge of the divine law, and God set them up for monuments of his wrath against sin. They once left their own habitation and were never allowed to look in again at the hole of the door, but they are reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Jude 6 
lastly, behold how an angry God dealt with his own son standing in the room of elect sinners. Romans 8.32 God spared not his own son. Sparing mercy might have been expected, if any at all. If any person could have obtained it, surely his own son would have got it. But he spared him not. The father's delight is made a man of sorrows. He who is the wisdom of God becomes sore amazed, ready to faint away in a fit of horror. The weight of this wrath makes him sweat great drops of blood. By the fierceness of the fire, his heart was like wax melted in the midst of his bowels. Behold here how severe God is against sin. The sun was struck blind with this terrible sight. Rocks were rent, graves opened. Death, as it were, in the excess of astonishment, letting its prisoner slip away. What is a deluge, a shower of fire and brimstone on sodomites, the terrible noise of a dissolving world, the whole fabric of heaven and earth falling down at once, angels cast down from heaven into the bottomless pit? What are all of these, I say, in comparison with this? God suffering, groaning, dying upon a cross. Infinite holiness did it. To make sin look like itself, infinitely odious. And will men live at ease while exposed to this wrath? Lastly, consider what a God he is with whom thou hast to do, whose wrath thou art liable unto. He is a God of infinite knowledge and wisdom, so that none of thy sins, however secret, can be hid from him. He infallibly finds out all means whereby wrath may be executed toward the satisfying of justice. He is of infinite power, and so he can do what he will against the sinner. How heavy must the strokes of wrath be which are laid on by an omnipotent hand. Infinite power can make the sinner prisoner, even when he is in his greatest rage against heaven. It can bring again the several parcels of dust out of the grave, put them together again, reunite the soul and the body, cite them before the tribunal, hurry them away to the pit, and hold them up in the one hand through eternity while they are lashed with the other. He is infinitely just and therefore must punish. It were acting contrary to his nature to suffer the sinner to escape wrath. Hence the executing of his wrath is pleasing to him, for though the Lord hath no delight in the death of the sinner, as it is in the destruction of his own creature, yet he delights in it as it is the execution of justice. Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire and brimstone, and an horrible tempest. Mark the reason. For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness. Psalm 11, 6, and 7. I will cause my fury to rest upon them, and I will be comforted. Ezekiel 5, 13. I also will laugh at your calamity. Proverbs 1, 26. Finally, he lives forever to pursue the quarrel. Let us therefore conclude. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Be awakened then, O young sinner, be awakened. 
O old sinner, who are yet in the state thou wast born in, your security is none of God's allowance. It is a sleep of death. Rise out of it, or the pit closes mouth on you. It is true you may put on a breastplate of iron, make your brow brass, and your hearts as an adamant. Who can help it? But God will break that brazen brow and make that adamantine heart at last to fly into a thousand pieces. You may, if you will, labor to put these things out of your heads that you may yet sleep in a sound skin, though in a state of wrath. You may run away with the arrow sticking in your conscience to your work to work them away, or to your beds to sleep them out, or to company to sport and laugh them away. But conviction so stifled will have a fearful resurrection, and the day is coming when the arrows of wrath shall so stick in thy soul as thou shalt never be able to pluck them out through the ages of eternity, unless thou take warning in time. But if any desire to flee from the wrath to come, and for that end to know what course to take, I offer them the few advices, and obtest and beseech them, as they love their own souls, to fall in with them. Retire yourselves into some secret place, and there meditate on this your misery. Believe it, and fix your thoughts upon it. Let each put the question to himself. How can I live in this state? How can I die in it? How will I rise again and stand before the tribunal of God in it? Consider seriously the sin of your nature, heart, and life. A kindly sight of wrath flows from a deep sense of sin. They who see themselves exceeding sinful will find no great difficulty to perceive themselves to be heirs of wrath. Labor to justify God in this matter to quarrel with God about it, and to rage like a wild bull in a net, will but fix you the more in it. Humiliation of soul before the Lord is necessary for an escape. God will not sell deliverance, but freely gives it to those who see themselves altogether unworthy of his favor. Lastly, turn your eyes, O prisoners of hope, towards the Lord Jesus Christ, and embrace him as he offereth himself in this gospel. There is no salvation in any other. Acts 4.12 God is a consuming fire. Ye are children of wrath. If the mediator interpose not betwixt him and you, you are undone forever. If you would be safe, come under his shadow. One drop of that wrath cannot fall there except of him and his covenant, wherein he offereth himself to thee. And so thou shalt, as a captive woman, redeem thy life by marrying the conqueror. His blood will quench that fire of wrath which burns against thee. In the white raiment of his righteousness thou shalt be safe, for no storm of wrath can pierce it. That was from the book Fourfold State by Thomas Boston. This Reformation audio track is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. SWRB makes thousands of classic Reformation resources available, free and for sale, in audio, video, and printed formats. 
our many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog, containing thousands of classic and contemporary Puritan and Reformed books, tapes, and videos at great discounts, is on the web at www.swrb.com. We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com, by phone at 780-450-3730, by fax at 780-468-1096, or by mail at 4710-37A Avenue, Edmonton, that's E-D-M-O-N-T-O-N, Alberta, abbreviated capital A, capital B, Canada, T6L3T5. You may also request a free printed catalog. And remember that John Calvin, in defending the Reformation's regulative principle of worship, or what is sometimes called the scriptural law of worship, commenting on the words of God, which I commanded them not, neither came into my heart, from his commentary on Jeremiah 7.31, writes, God here cuts off from men every occasion for making evasions, since he condemns by this one phrase, I have not commanded them, whatever the Jews devised. There is then no other argument needed to condemn superstitions than that they are not commanded by God. For when men allow themselves to worship God according to their own fancies, and attend not to his commands, they pervert true religion. And if this principle was adopted by the Papists, all those fictitious modes of worship in which they absurdly exercise themselves would fall to the ground. It is indeed a horrible thing for the Papists to seek to discharge their duties towards God by performing their own superstitions. There is an immense number of them, as it is well known, and as it manifestly appears. Were they to admit this principle, that we cannot rightly worship God except by obeying his word, they would be delivered from their deep abyss of error. The prophet's words, then, are very important when he says that God had commanded no such thing and that it never came to his mind, as though he had said that men assume too much wisdom when they devise what he never required, nay, what he never knew.